Welcome to the Girl Means Business Podcast. I'm your host, Kendra Swalls, a former teacher turned entrepreneur here to help you navigate the messiness of mom life and biz life. Each week, my guests and I will share our experiences, insights, and tips to help you move your business from survival mode to success mode. So grab your favorite drink and let's dive in because this girl means business. Hello there, and welcome back for another week of the Girl Means Business podcast. This is episode 151, and we're talking all about building a business that is burnout proof. Now, I know I'm not the only one who's been feeling the burnout feelings the last couple of weeks, months, the last year, and I know that because I see it on social media. I hear it when you're messaging me on Instagram or responding to emails that I send out. I can feel the frustration and the burnout. This is not something that is uncommon. And I wanted to start off this episode by saying that because I think that a lot of times, again, when you're building a business, you're by yourself so much, it's really easy to feel like you're the only one who's feeling a certain way or experiencing something in your business, especially when you go on social media and it looks like everybody is killing it. So I wanted to tell you right now, you are not alone if that's what you're feeling or have ever felt those signs of burnout. We've all been there, we have all felt them, and we'll probably feel them again at some point. But today, I want us to chat with Sarah Luthi because she is going to help us to build a business where we can avoid some of that burnout feeling or at least mitigate it and even maybe recognize when it's happening and pivot just a little bit. So Sarah Luthi is a business coach for women in the wedding and creative industry. She's built a six-figure wedding floral design business from her garage that allowed her to quit her job, pay herself a full-time income, and achieve a fully booked calendar serving her dream clients, all while in her early 20s. Brand strategy, marketing, client experience, and pricing for profit are some of the things that Sarah believes is crucial to build a profitable business. Along with running her wedding business, Sarah helps passionate, heart-led women who have the dream to imperfectly pursue their purpose and build a business that gives them the joy on the daily through her membership, Grow Better, one-on-one coaching, digital shop, and her podcast, The Imperfect Pursuit. Guys, you're going to love chatting with Sarah just like I did. I cannot wait for you to get started. So let's dive on into this conversation and learn how to burn out-proof our business. I am here with Sarah Luthi. I am so excited to have you here today, Sarah. Welcome to the Girl Means Business Podcast. Thank you. I am so excited to be here. Well, we're excited to have you. So um, before we get into our topic today, I want you to introduce yourself to my audience. Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and how you got into the business you're in today. Yeah, so I am Sarah Luthi. I got into the business world four or five years ago. I had a bit of a hobby of making flowers. And I had lots of friends asking me to do their wedding flowers and kind of just became that friend that that did that for them. And I was in my final year of my university degree. I always thought I would become a teacher and something in my heart just didn't feel quite aligned, I guess. And I was about to enroll in my um, graduate diploma of education and about to, you know, make that all official. And something in me was like, oh, I don't know if this is what I'm meant to be doing. And while that was happening, I was obviously um, doing friends' weddings and I had this little 
crazy idea where I thought, I wonder if I could make money from this. I wonder if I could actually make this a business. Maybe I could work for myself. And once I had that idea, like nothing else felt quite as right. So I, you know, I loved the idea of being able to work for myself, work from home when we have kids one day, being able to have that freedom and flexibility. And for me, it wasn't necessarily the flowers as such. I mean, I loved that and I loved being creative. I've always been a creative, but the thing that got me really excited was the idea of being an entrepreneur. So started that business the following year. The first year was really, really hard. I was working my little butt off. (laughs) I was working massive weeks. I was juggling that and my other job, but I was determined to make it a full-time job so I could quit my other job and actually pay myself a full-time income. And I ended up being able to do that the following year. I resigned from my other job and, you know, I was kind of living, living the dream in the sense that that was always my goal to quit my job, be able to work full-time in weddings, make, make a full-time income. And I guess along that journey, I had other people kind of looking at how quickly I had grown and they were asking me questions and I started casually mentoring them. And I kind of decided last year to, I guess, pursue that as a, as another avenue in my business. And now I'm also doing business coaching for women in mainly the wedding industry. That's obviously my background. Um, but one thing I'm really passionate about is not only building, um, you know, a business that brings you joy and income and all of the things that we want, but building a business that isn't actually going to burn you out. Because I think a lot of people are willing to sacrifice lots of things in order to reach that level of success. And it's an easy trap to fall into, but I don't think, um, I don't think it's a healthy way to, to build a business. And that's something I'm passionate about. I don't think you need to sacrifice, um, you know, ridiculous, or I don't think you need to sacrifice time with your family and work ridiculous weeks in order to build the business of your dreams. I don't think you need to sacrifice income in order to build the business of your dreams. I think you can have both. So yeah, that's kind of where we're at now. So I'm juggling my wedding business as well as coaching. So it's a bit of a busy season at the moment, but um, you know, I've kind of set things up with my team and with systems to be able to make that um, a bit more manageable. So yeah, that's where we're at now. I love that. It's so parallel to my story, which is really funny because I was, I don't know if you know much about my background, but I was actually a teacher and then I yeah. went into photography and then I went into coaching and very similar with how I got into the coaching part too, was that it was mostly like, oh, people were kind of asking me questions about leaving my teaching job and, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And, um, it's funny. Cause again, the same thing is I, I went into the photography piece of it, not even so much. Like I loved the creativeness of it. And I loved the, the idea of, putting together these, these visions of these beautiful photo sessions that I wanted to do and these styled shoots, but I really fell in love with the business of it. Like you were saying, yeah. like the idea of being an entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, but I think that there is this, especially now in with social media and with how many people are starting their own business. And I think the, with the pandemic and everything that happened, like people are really jumping into this idea of like, Oh, I'll just start my own business. I'll be an entrepreneur. And they don't realize what that really means. There's kind of this, um, false sense of grandeur around it from what you see online and people don't realize like, no, it's difficult. It's challenging. Like it's not as great as like, Oh, I'm going to start this business. Then I'm going to go off and do whatever I want and spend my days having coffee, drinking coffee and (laughs) traveling the world. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think it, it sets up this false expectation of how, 
simple it is to build a business, right? Like I remember in that first year, so in my first year I made uh, the grand total of $12,000 profit, but I was working a lot, like so many hours, you know, within the week. And it was so deflating seeing that. And it, it can be hard looking at other people on social media who, you know, boast about earning X amount or, you know, they boast about their achievements and like, that's great. We should celebrate those. But let me say that those stories of being able to make six figures within, you know, three months and quit a job, like those kinds of stories are actually the minority. More often than not, it does take a year or two or three to build enough momentum in order to build a business that's sustainable and something that isn't just something that grew overnight, but maybe isn't as sustainable long-term. So I always like to mention that because it's so easy to look at other people's success and use that as the benchmark when often that's not only the minority, but once you actually start breaking it down, it may not actually be the most sustainable way of building a business. So yeah, it's social media can definitely, um, yeah, make things a little bit tricky. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, a love-hate relationship for sure, because it's great for helping you build your business and get yourself out there. But it is that comparison piece that is a little bit more challenging to put up with. Because mm-hmm. I mean, and I think back to like my parents, my mom ran the family business and it was, they didn't have any of that. And so it's so different, but it's also, it was harder for her to get her name out there and grow the business than it is for us now. So mm-hmm. it has its pros and cons. Um, but I also think like, you know, talking about the idea of building a sustainable business. I think that you were right. Like so many people start a business and they're so excited about it. And they're like, okay, I'm going to do all the things I'm going to do this. I'm going to get this in place. I'm going to, I'm going to hit the ground. I'm going to hustle, you know, the hustle mentality. Mm -hmm. And that is not something that you can sustain for a long time because you will hit a wall and you will get burned out. Um, I've seen it happen time and time again with photographers mm-hmm. um, where they will, they start this business like, oh, it'll be easy. I'm just going to take pictures on the weekends and I'll make enough mm-hmm. money to quit my job and stay home or do whatever they want to do. And then they realize like, oh, okay, this is getting exhausting. There's so yeah. much more to it. So I know you like to talk a lot about like the idea of avoiding that burnout and building a business that doesn't you know, doesn't mean you're going to have that burnout phase. So mm-hmm. I want to dive into that and kind of get into what it is that you have set up. Because I think that's kind of the dream. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think the biggest thing, and it's hard to, to define when you are in earlier stages, but the biggest thing is to be so aware of your boundaries. And I think this becomes clearer the longer that you're in business, the more experience you have, you know, the first year you might think a goal, a reasonable goal is to do 50 weddings. And I mean, that sounds great, but I don't, you know, depending on what you're doing, if you're a photographer doing 50 weddings, like that is a lot of weddings. Like that is very quickly going to become so exhausting. Um, obviously if you are a hair and makeup artist, you probably can manage 50 weddings because the the time factor isn't quite as, as much, but I think that's a huge thing is always coming back down to like knowing your limits and knowing your boundaries. And as I said, this does become clearer, but I think you can be aware of that right from the beginning and having conversations with other people, getting to know other people, finding out what other people are finding difficult or, you know, or not so difficult is really helpful too. Um, But for me, boundaries doesn't just look like, you know, the amount of weddings that I take on, but my boundaries also like 
what dates in my calendar do I want to protect? For me, that looks like protecting my birthday and protecting my anniversary because those things are really important to me. And I don't want my business to mean that I have to sacrifice those events in my life. Um, you know, other boundaries can look like your work hours during the week. It's so easy for us entrepreneurs to think that we have to work 50, 60, 70 hour weeks and we have to hustle for a season to, you know, build the business for the long term. And I do think there are seasons of hustle. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you can only work 20 hours a week right from the get-go because there are seasons where hustle is necessary if you're doing a big launch or you might just have a one-off really big week and I don't want to condemn you for that. But I think when those 50 to 60-hour weeks are becoming the norm, I think we do need to kind of step back and think, is this something that I would have been happy doing for another employer? Because I don't know about you, but I wouldn't have been happy working no. <laughs> 50 or 60 hours a week, no matter what the pay was, you know? So why is it different for us as entrepreneurs? Like, yes, we get the luxury of working from home or we get the luxury of like not having to report to someone higher than us. But I still think like as humans working any more than 40 hour, hour weeks, I don't think that's what we were meant to do. Like when I do a week that's more than 40 hours, I'm like, so exhausted. I'm so grumpy. I, you know, my house is a total mess. I feel like such, you know, a scatterbrain. And I just don't think that's what we're meant to do (laughs) for the long term. Um, So I think, you know, yeah, just coming back down to those kinds of things is so, so important and to set up boundaries in your business to avoid that. Um, You know, other boundaries I have even come down to things like when people ask for discounts, like in my mind, that's also a bit of a boundary because I'm like, actually, no, I value clients who value me and who value my work. If someone's going to come along and ask so freely for a big discount, like that's actually a big red flag for me. And I'm not going to, you know, write them off straight away and I'll have that conversation with them. But to me, that's a boundary. I'm like, you know what, if they're going to go somewhere else because I'm not giving them a discount, like goodbye. See you later. (laughs) Um, So little things like that, I think is so important to get clear on um, as you are building a business. And there are so many other things like, you know, nailing your pricing and building a team and creating systems that obviously come into this too. But I think that first step is understanding your limits, like your values and setting up those boundaries from the get-go. Stay with us. We'll be right back. If you've been listening to the Girl Means Business podcast for any amount of time, then you know my love of email marketing runs deep. Not only is it a great way to generate new leads, but it's one of the most effective methods for nurturing warm leads and turning them into sales. Now, over the years, I've tested several email platforms, and my favorite by far is Flowdesk. Not only do they make email marketing simple and easy, even for the technically challenged, but they have everything you need to create stunning emails, capture leads, make sales, and automate the entire process, giving you time back in your busy day. And the cherry on top is you're only charged one flat fee no matter how many subscribers you have. So while other platforms will increase your price when you go over your pricing tier limit, Flowdesk has no price increases or hidden fees. If you're ready to give Flowdesk a try, click the link below in the show notes to save 50% off your first year. Let Flowdesk help you design emails people will love. Click the link below and check it out. I have a feeling you're going to love it just as much as I do. I 
love it. And I, that's something I didn't do in the beginning when I was starting my business. And I remember I was so mad at myself because I wasn't thinking and I had a client um, book a wedding with me. And of course it was Mm -hmm. almost a year or a little over a year in advance. And it was for the same weekend. So my, both my daughters, their birthdays are three days apart. And we always try to whatever weekend is closest is that that's the weekend we're going to have their party. And I was so mad because I didn't look at a calendar when I booked this wedding. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I have that date open. And it was the weekend that we were going to have their birthday party. And mm-hmm. so we ended up having, you know, and we, it, we would, it was fine, but I was kind of kicking myself. And that was, I can very specifically remember, it was like, that was the moment when I was like, you know what, I'm going to have to start every year. I'm going to get out like a, a calendar. I'm going to mark off those dates, yeah. like in December of the year before, like I've already done it for this next year. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm going to sit down and be like, okay, you know what? My kids' birthdays, my birthday, holidays anniversaries, things like that. Like I don't want, I mean, I had someone this year ask me to shoot a family session on Christmas day. And I was like, no, <laughs> wow. No, I'm not, Good luck like, finding someone who'll do that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like maybe someone who doesn't have kids and doesn't try, I don't yeah. know. Like, I don't know who would do that, but I was like, I get that your family's only here for like a limited amount of time, but that's, yeah. that's a non-negotiable. A like, I will not. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So I think that's a really important thing that especially when you're starting out and you're kind of like, I'll take any work that comes my way. You're setting yourself up for a failure and that you have to start off kind of saying like, yes, but I need to do it in a way that benefits me. And I love, I wrote down what you said here. I was like, would you do that for an employer? If your Mm. employer asked you to come in on Christmas day and work, would you? Mm. Probably not. I mean, I think Unless you're charging <laughs> quadruple your pricing, I don't know. Yeah. But even then, I probably wouldn't do it. Like, no, okay, if, if that's something you want to do. But yeah, it's yeah. it's so important. And I do the same. I use Google Calendar and I color code mm-hmm. everything and any dates that I'm blocking off are in this like dark gray color. And I I actually call it like blocked off. So throughout my whole you know annual calendar, I have these you know areas of my year that I've just I've just blocked off I know not to take bookings on those times because there was a there was a year earlier in my business that I decided you know what I'll take on this wedding on my birthday you know we'll celebrate the next day it's all good it's just a day like plenty of people have to go to work on their birthday right and that's what I told myself I was like if I work for someone else I probably would work on my birthday it's not a big deal um and so what what ended up happening is that they only just met my minimum spend which is another boundary, I guess you could probably add that to your list, you know, having your minimums and things like that. But she only just met my minimum. The wedding was like three hours away, but I was, I booked it hoping she would increase her spend. And then about two months before the wedding, she came, she came to me and she said, Sarah, we've, we've run out of money. We need a half hour order. And I said to her, well, like you're going below the minimum spend. And she kind of got really, really uncomfortable. And I just kind of saw that as my way out. So what did I ended up saying? I said, look, if you can't meet my minimum, you're going to have to find someone else, but I'll refund your deposit. Usually I would never refund a deposit, but I was kind of like, you know what, maybe this is a blessing in disguise. So she ended up, you know, taking that money and she went with someone else closer to her. Um, but it was great because I ended up getting my birthday back and I was like, oh, what a blessing really. And mm-hmm. since then I've just decided it's just not worth it. You know, I was so anxious and uncomfortable about having to work, have a big week on my birthday week. But since then I've, I've just yeah. made the decision. No, it's just not worth it. <laughs> well, and I think that's a good point too, is setting boundaries around like who you're willing to work with. You know, like I, yeah. I've said no to clients before when I've been like, this is not going to be 
a good fit. This is going to be something that is like, if they're within the first couple of conversations already requesting things or asking things or, or that are beyond what I would normally put up with or do, you know, handle, I'm like, this may not be the best fit. Mm -hmm. And I think it's okay to say no to those people and just say, you know what? I don't think that this is a good fit. I think it's better if you find somebody else, or maybe here are some people I would recommend if you're willing to pass that on to somebody else. (laughs) But, um, maybe, maybe you have somebody you don't like a whole lot. Be like, here, recommend them. (laughs) Don't do that. But, um, I, you know, I think that there's so many things that early on, again, we just, we take on whatever comes our way because we want so badly to just have work that we don't realize that we're adding too much to our plate. And that's when you hit that burnout. And that's when you're like, why am I doing this? So I think that's so smart, the idea of boundaries. And I love what you do with your Google calendar. I've started doing that too, just in my daily schedule. I do block off those important days, Mm -hmm. but I also block off like blocks of time where I'm like, you know what? I, I don't want to get up and take my kids to school at eight o'clock and start working at eight 15. I want to give myself the first hour of the day from eight to nine, where I can have breakfast. I can like get some stuff done. I can go for a walk or work out. I need, Mm -hmm. I need that for myself because otherwise I start to get resentful towards myself almost of like, or even towards my clients. If it's something I, you know, I've scheduled something in a day in a day or a time that I didn't normally plan it. And I'm like, Oh, I'm resenting that I did this. And now I'm frustrated with them and I'm frustrated with myself and that's never good. So yeah, that's protecting those times are so important. Yeah. Because I mean, I think we've all experienced this to some sense where we build this business and we have this, you know, a dream of building our dream business and it just becomes this monster that we resent and we start resenting this thing that we spent so long working for. And I think, as you said, little things like understanding what you want your lifestyle to be, if that means, you know, having an extra hour in the mornings to have a coffee and do some journaling and listen to, you know, some music or whatever, and just take the morning easy, like little things like that are going to help you to appreciate your business more and to not feel so weighed down by it. And I mean, it's such a mindset thing, right? Like, I think we can convince ourselves that in order to grow and in order to be a successful business owner, like we need to be working 24 seven. But like the truth is that, that our business doesn't require that of us and your business is going to be fine if you take time for yourself. And in fact, I think you could, you could say that your business will do better when you're in a better position and when you're feeling your best, because you're going to show up in a much better way. You'll have more clarity. You'll have more confidence. You'll feel better about yourself and in, in the life that you're living. So I just think it's, it's so important to understand those little things that you value and setting up your schedule and your work days and weeks to, pre- <coughs> excuse me, to protect things that are important to you. Yeah. Well, I think in, and we, I don't know if you're going to get to this later, but just building in that time to rest too. Like I know for me, when I start having those moments, that, that feeling of like, Oh, I'm just so like, everything feels overwhelming. Just taking a a day even and be like, you know what, I'm going to take Friday. I'm going to not have anything. I'm going to clear my schedule as much as I can. And I'm going to have a day where I just do things for me, whether that is, like I said, I love going when it's nice out. I love to take my dog out for hikes, going for a hike or going and just shopping for a few minutes or like cooking a a nice home cooked meal or 
doing something and taking that break, I think can be really helpful. And like you said, it just kind of resets everything. And I think I kind of compare it to like being a mom, like I'm a better mom when I'm a mom from a place of happiness and joy, as opposed to like stress and overwhelm. And yeah. if I find myself stressed and overwhelmed, I have to kind of walk away from it and be like, let me get back to my happy place because otherwise none of us are going to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think the same goes for our business is that you can't run your business from a place of stress and overwhelm. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So besides setting boundaries and limits, what are some other ways that we can help kind of avoid that burnout and like avoid Mm. kind of heading in that direction? Yeah. So I think another one comes down to the numbers and pricing. So I think part of the reason we burn ourselves out and take on more than we can handle is because we look at the numbers and we think, well, I just need to book more in order to hit this goal. But I think we need to kind of take a step back and really start knowing our numbers and nailing our pricing so that we can book less at a higher rate. And obviously that also comes down to knowing your ideal client and marketing and being able to actually attract people who are willing to spend that. But I think, yeah, just understanding your numbers and who you want to target so that you don't have to book 50, 60, 70, 100 weddings or, you know, book out your calendar in order to to make whatever you need to make to contribute to your household income. Because, you know, we all have goals of what we want to make and we all probably have bills that we need to pay. And, you know, and when we feel that pressure, I think that's when we start feeling like, I'll just, I'll just take it all on because we've got a big bill next month and I need this new deposit in order to, to pay the bill. But I think we kind of need to come back to the numbers and understand who do we want to target so that we can start booking things that are at a higher spend so we can take on less. And this was kind of my, you know, a big part of my journey. So with my own wedding business, I think my first year I did, it was actually quite a big year. My first year I did something like 28 weddings, but as I said, I only made $12,000. And that was because they were all one, a pretty low spend, but I was also spending way too much money on, (laughs) on the job. And I mean, that was partly because I was learning and I, I wasn't really investing in my education. So I didn't really understand pricing and formulas and things like that. Um, but after that year, I decided, okay, well, I guess if if I did 28 weddings this year, maybe I should aim to do like 50 weddings and just try and like increase that, that profit I'm making. So I did. <laughs> and that was kind of the year that I experienced burnout because I worked yeah. so, so hard because I had the mindset that I just needed to book more to make more money. So the year after that, I decided, no, I'm not going to do, you know, 58 weddings. I only want to book 35 at a much higher average spend. And that was my best year. So I just think understanding your numbers and understanding like not only what you need to price, but also understanding your expenses, because that's a whole other conversation about why people are building these businesses that aren't profitable. Like they're not making enough money, but they're also spending too much money, Mm -hmm. understanding that. And then also understanding the the clients that you want to sell to and the marketing that you need to do in order to attract those clients. So I think that's another really big thing to avoid taking on more than you can handle. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, photographers, are you ready to make 2024 your best year yet? Growing a business is tough. You're following all the successful photographers and experts, soaking up their best advice and downloading all their free guides, 
trying to replicate their success only to come up lacking, blaming yourself when their methods don't work for you. But the truth is, it isn't you. Free content and one-size-fits-all courses can only get you so far. What you need is personalized help and guidance, but that can get expensive. Well, not anymore. I've created the perfect solution to get you personalized results for less than $2 a day. Introducing the Focus Photographer Lab, a one-of-a-kind coaching membership that gets you one-on-one results for a fraction of the cost of traditional coaching. Inside the lab, you'll find the three C's to success, classes, coaching, and community. With classes, you gain access to a treasure trove of pre-recorded trainings and invaluable resources. With coaching, you get monthly live trainings and Q&A sessions, along with my favorite part, the weekly one-on-one office hours, where we get to address your unique questions and challenges. And then there's the community, where you get to connect with an amazing group of talented female photographers who share your passion, supporting each other and inspiring each other to greatness. The best part is it doesn't come with an expensive one-on-one coaching price tag. You get all of that for just $47 a month. You can even try it for free for 14 days to make sure it's a good fit for you. And there is no contract and no obligation you can cancel at any time. So what are you waiting for? Head down to the show notes and click the link to learn more and get signed up today. And let's make 2024 our best year yet. So I, I agree completely with this. I think that that was a big turning point for me and my photography business was when I was able to really like someone set me down and kind of walked through like, okay, if you are are charging X amount per session and you need this many clients, but you you know, your spend is this, like that whole, like you said, the algorithm, the, the math behind it all, it was very eye opening. I was like, Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. But if I just increase it by this much, I can cut the number of clients in half and ultimately the number of like nights and weekends I'm away from my family. So, but that idea of raising prices, because I know I have coaching clients that I have had this conversation with where I'm like, you need to raise your price. Like it's, I'm like on repeat, raise your prices, raise your prices, yep. raise your prices. Yeah. There's so much fear around mm-hmm. that, you know, whether that is like, oh, well, all the clients I already have, you know, that are repeat clients, they're going to feel like I, like that they're getting, they're being, I'm like, well, yeah, but they, you're, you've grown, like you're, mm-hmm. you have learned, you have grown. Like, I'm not going to charge somebody here. I am you know, 10 years into my business, my photography business, I'm not going to charge them the same thing I did in year one, because I have now 10 years of experience and knowledge and expertise. Like that's just how it works. So what, what do you say to somebody or what are your thoughts around the idea of like the fear behind charging more or, or value, like charging what you're worth? Yeah. I think understanding that there are clients out there who are happy to hand over their money in order to get that value from you. And I think it's it's such a mindset block. We believe that, oh, who's actually going to spend $5,000 on wedding flowers? Who's actually going to spend, you know, $10,000 on coaching or whatever it is. But understanding that there are clients out there who have, you know, may have slightly different values to yourself. Like for example, for me, we spent $1,000 on our wedding flowers that was a lot of money for us. Now my, my minimum spend is three times that, that much. <laughs> and that was just a mindset thing I had to get over understanding, oh, like there are actually people out there who are more than happy to, to pay for this service. Yeah. Um, 
and to not feel like, well, I don't know if I would pay this. So I, I don't think I can charge that. And I know like, like people who think that they're, they're beautiful people, like, because they have those morals and they think, you know, if I wouldn't pay it, I can't charge it. But the thing is like your circumstance, everyone's circumstances are different and everyone's values are slightly different. Some people are in just a, in a different position to you and they might be happy spending money on this, but they may not be happy spending money on something that you would be happy spending money on. So I think just understanding that there are people out there who are not only willing, but they are happy to hand over their money to get what you have on offer. I think another thing is, as I said, coming back down to the numbers and even understanding metrics, like what are your conversions looking like? How many people are you booking? Because if your bookings are really, really high, that tells me you're in a position to raise your pricing. And I know people think, but but does that mean I'm not going to book as much? Probably. But that's kind of what you want, right? Like you don't want to book as much. You want to book a little bit less at a higher spend. And that's like, it feels scary. I remember when I raised my minimum, you know, I was, I was used to getting like five or six inquiries every single day that kind of came down to like one or two. There were sometimes days I didn't get any and I was like, oh my gosh, am I doing something wrong? But I made more money that year than I ever did. And it saved me time in administration too, because I wasn't having to respond <laughs> to like 200 inquiries each year or whatever it was. Yeah. So I just think, I mean, it's a lot easier said than done, but I just think it's just doing the mindset work, understanding there are people who are willing to spend it and understanding that you are worth that new price point. You are worth it because, mm-hmm. and I think that the clearer I've, <clears throat> And I've already said it, but like the clearer you can get on your numbers, like it provides so much clarity, but it provides it from like an objective standpoint, because when you can look at numbers on a piece of paper, it starts to tell you like what's working, what's not working. And once you can start to see like, oh my gosh, I've been working these massive weeks and the profit has only been like this much, something needs to change. It's a lot easier to do that. So I just think, yeah, understanding that there are people who are happy to give you their money <laughs> and yeah. to not allow that to to stop you from raising your pricing, to understand that you're worth it and then to just come back down to those numbers and to start making those decisions for for your business. Yeah. I, there's a couple of things you said that made me start thinking. And, and one of them was you said like about how when you raised your prices and you had your inquiries kind of went down and you had days where, you know, maybe you didn't have any. I it happens every, every year, I swear. So this episode will come out after the beginning of the year. And this, I can almost guarantee that I'm going to see these posts on Facebook and the groups that I'm in where <laughs> someone will raise their prices at the beginning of the year. Cause that seems like a great time to do it. Like it's January 1st, let's raise our prices. And then immediately within like two weeks, they're like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm freaking out. I, I raised mm-hmm. my prices and I haven't had any, anybody inquire. I'm like, okay, calm down. Like it's been two weeks yeah, <laughs> and yeah. it's, or it's, it's the beginning. Like everybody just spent all this money on the holidays. Like let's, let's relax a little bit, like give yourself some grace. I think there's so many times that people will raise their prices. And then if they don't immediately see like this confirmation that like, okay, that was the right thing to do. I'm, I'm getting all these bookings at this new higher price. They freak out and they lower their prices again, or they run a, a, a sale. It's like, oh, okay, well now I'm going to discount it back down to my original price. Yeah. Um, and so just be patient. Like it takes, it takes time. And it is about, I, I truly believe that there are people out there right now. If you're at a lower price point, they are thinking, 
oh, well, I'm not, there must be something wrong with it because it's too low. So they're waiting, they're waiting to pay you more money for you to say, no, it's worth this much now. Yeah. And so you just have to tap into that, um, that, that pool of people. Yeah. Stop owning the fact. Yeah. Like to start owning the fact that you are a high-end supplier. It feels so scary. (laughs) I felt like a fraud for like 12 months. Oh my gosh, am I (laughs) high-end? Oh, we all like that imposter syndrome. Yes. It's so real. Yeah. But I think the other thing that like you kind of touched on that, that I I wrote down a note of, I was like, we have to remove the emotion from it. And when you go back to like, you kept saying, going back to your numbers, when it becomes like black and white on paper in front of you, mm-hmm. it's not emotional. It's, yeah. it's just math. It's just it's facts. It's math. Yeah. yeah. That's it. It's yeah. So and important. I think about like, if you're working for somebody else and somebody says, Oh, how much is this service? Like if you were working in your case, if you were working for, for a florist and somebody called you and was like, how much would it be for this, the, you know, wedding flowers? And you gave them a price. You probably wouldn't think twice because you have removed yourself from that emotion. Cause it's not your business. If you're yeah. working for somebody else. Mm. But for whatever reason, when it's your business, all of a sudden we're like, oh, no, they're valuing me as a person. And yeah. no, they're valuing your product and serve, you know, like mm-hmm. remove the emotion from it, I think is, is super Definitely. helpful. Totally. It's hard. Yeah, totally. And, you know, now I'm at a, at a point in my business where I'm not willing to lower my prices. I am confident in my pricing and, you know, I have people all the time decide to go to, you know, cheaper competitors. It's going to happen. You can do the best marketing in the world, but you'll still have people reach out kind of hoping that you can give them a discount or hoping that somehow they'll talk you into lowering your prices. (laughs) Um, But I don't. And obviously I had been through seasons where I I did because I thought that's what I had to do and to, to book work. But now I don't. And when they go somewhere else, like I don't actually care because, you know, I would rather spend that time with my family than to work a 10 hour day at a wedding to get paid less than what I know I'm worth. And it, it just becomes facts, you know, like, okay, this is what it costs. If they don't want to take it, like that's, that's fine. Um, yeah. But don't feel like you have to submit to every request and to bend over backwards to to book them like it's not worth it and more often than not those clients are actually not nice to work with (laughs) because they will want something for for cheaper but they'll also have ridiculously high expectations you know some of my best clients have had the best budgets and they've been so easy to work with like so trusting so kind so beautiful to work with so I just think you just need to own your boundaries to to own your pricing and to know that the right clients will pay for it Yeah. I love that. Do you have any other burnout proof tips for us? We've got the beware of your boundaries, know your numbers and your pricing. Is there anything else? Yeah. And I mean, there's a whole other conversation around systems and building a team. Um, And obviously that could be a whole episode on on its own, but I'll keep it short. You know, I'll just, I'll just say that if you're in an earlier stage of your business, it's actually the easiest time to start setting up systems. <laughs> Once you have heaps and heaps of clients, setting up systems, setting up a CRM, things like that become a whole lot more difficult. So I know that you're probably thinking like, oh, but it costs money. And like, I don't know if I'm ready for that. You're probably ready for it. <laughs> I'm so yeah. glad that I invested in those areas of my business relatively early on. Um, and then I guess when it comes to a team as well, I mean, this felt really scary for me because at the start of my business, I was always thinking like, oh, but do I just want to be a one woman show? Like, do I start losing that personal touch once I start bringing on team members? 
Um, and I kind of just had to get over that. You know, I still have a brand that it is still very, very personal. People know I'm the owner. I make, I still make a lot of the designs, but my clients know that I also have floral designers on my team who help me execute the events. They'll do a lot of the design work too. Um, and I couldn't run my business without them. I mean, I could, but I'd be working 100 hour weeks. <laughs> so I just think um, those two things, starting starting to set up systems from the start, whatever that looks like for you. And then also not being afraid to bring on team members to free up your time as well. And I mean, team members don't need to look like assistant floral designers. I mean, obviously for photographers, that sometimes does look like second shooters or outsourcing editing. Um, but a great thing that I always say to clients, I outsource this as well, is outsourcing your bookkeeping. That's something that people are trained to do. Like it doesn't require any training from you. So it was so easy for me to outsource that. So I just think starting to think about what are the things taking up your time and what are the things that you can outsource to someone who could probably actually do it better than you? Yeah. One of the best things a coach ever told me to do was to make a list of all of the like jobs in my business and to start looking at like, what are the things that I want to do? What are the things I don't want to do? And then when it was the ones that I don't want to do, like bookkeeping, um, it was then, okay, then figure out like how involved you need to be in that. So like you said, the bookkeeping piece, like that's easy. Like you can just, you don't have, like, you don't have to train somebody to do that. Yeah. It's not like they're coming in and doing a part of your business. That's going to be client facing. But if it's something like, okay, I need someone, um, with the podcast, like I need somebody that can create, you know, show notes for the podcast or graphics or do editing, mm-hmm. things like that. That's going to require a little more of kind of hands-on. So what are the steps I need to do to teach them how to do, how to make it feel like it's coming from me? Cause I think that's the, like you said, the fear is that, am I going to lose that personal touch? Well, no, cause you're still infusing yourself into how you teach them to do the parts of your business. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Well, I think too, like people hear team members and they think like, oh, I have to hire somebody like full time to like work in my business. That's not the case either. I mean, it's, there's so many people that'll do con like you that you mentioned the outsource editing. Like there's so many people that will just like one off, like, okay, yeah, you need me to edit that wedding for you. Here you go. Like, and then the next time you have a session, send it to them. It's not like you have to have somebody that's on your, you know, payroll. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's 24 it. seven. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, pretty much all of my um floral designers that help me with my weddings, they're just contractors but they're like with me pretty much every week, (laughs) but like, I like that works for us. They're happy with that. I'm happy with that. And it also meant that during COVID there wasn't like this awkward legal stuff that we had to think about because there was a season where I had no work for them. And I would have been so stressed if I did have to, you know, guarantee them a certain amount of income each week during a season that there wasn't a lot of income coming in. So, you know, that, that's, that works for us right now. Um, I have like one like main assistant floral designer who's kind of my little sidekick um, and she's a little bit different, but you know, most of the time I just have my regular freelance florists who come in and help me and that really, really works. So you don't need to feel overwhelmed, as you said, by the idea of having to bring someone on full time and have this, you know, roster of people. It can just look like you and like one or two people who come in and help you when you need it. Um, Because the truth is you, as I mean, as wonderful as you are, 
you can't do it all on your own. It's really, really hard to do it on your own. And if you do do it on your own, you'll just end up burning yourself out. And we don't want that. (laughs) We don't want you to create this business that you resent. So, and I think your clients understand that too. Um, You know, my, my clients respect that my business is established enough that we do have, you know, multiple weddings and, you know, they respect the fact that I need people to help me out and it may not be me on the day. It might be someone else who delivered their bouquets or something like that. And they respect that because they understand my business is established. It's reputable. And, you know, obviously for a season, it was just me. I was doing a hundred percent of the tasks, but as things grow, you need to understand your limits and to start bringing on people who can help you to, to manage all of it. Yeah. I heard a quote somewhere one time that I, I need to find where it was and like actually write it down. So I don't misquote it all these times. I keep repeating <laughs> it. But it was like, you want to get to the point in your business where you're doing the things that only you can do. Yeah. And I think that that was so like, it just registered. I was like, yes, that's the thing. It's like, I want to get that's That's to me a success is when yeah. you can get to the point in your business where you're focusing on the things that only you can do, whether that is recording these podcasts working one-on-one with coaching clients, um, you know, meeting with clients in person for your floral designs or whatever, but then everything else can be done by a team or people that you train. That's when I think we get to that point where like, okay, now we're not just solopreneurs, we're business owners and we're CEOs and we put ourselves in this different position. And that is, Mm -hmm. that's true. Like when you, you can't do it all yourself as much as we think that we can, as much as, especially mm-hmm. as women, we're like, no, I got this. I can do this. Like it's, it's not a treadmill you want to get on or a hamster wheel. Cause you're just going to end up like mm-hmm. on this thing forever. And you're going to be so tired and so burned out. And that's not a good place to run your business from. So no. these are great, great tips. <laughs> oh, good. And, you know, as you said, like at the start, you can manage everything on your own. But just understanding that like as things grow, you just can't because as things grow, your responsibility grows, your client base grows, your, you know, your task list grows and it's it's just impossible to keep up with it. So like, yes, that if anyone's listening who, you know, is in an earlier stage of their business and they think that they're a failure because they are working on their own, like absolutely not. But you just need to be prepared for the next seasons to follow and start thinking about what do you need to do now to prepare your business for that next level? Is it to setting start setting up those systems now ready for the next team member? Is it documenting your processes? Is it, you know, starting to train up some, like an assistant? Like, I don't know what that looks like, but yeah, at the start, it's, it's normal to do everything on your own, but know that it's not normal to continue doing it on your own if yeah. you, if you see your business growing much more. Well, and I'm the kind of person too that I, I like to have a little bit of knowledge on the things too. Like, I don't want to just hand off something to somebody and be like, okay, you go take care of this. I like to know a little bit about what you're yes. doing. Like yeah. I'm kind of that micromanager. So yeah. do you think that that first stage where you are doing it all yourself is, is good because you are learning all the different aspects of your business. You're learning how to be a salesperson. You're learning how to be a marketing person and mm-hmm. a financial person and a social media person. You're learning mm-hmm. how to do all those things, but you're also learning like, okay, what are the things I really love? And what are the things that maybe I am not very good at and somebody else could do better for me? So I think that there is a purpose for that phase, but if you stay in that phase for too long, just for the sake of like wanting to, to do it all, 
because you feel like it's saving you money or saving you time. It's really not. Yes. hundred <laughs> percent. So I think, yeah, it's, it's just, it's part of that growth. Like you said, growth phase in order to move to the next level, you have to be willing to kind of put some of these things into place that you can get mm-hmm. there and do it the in the best way possible. Yeah. And it feels scary. <laughs> it does. Yeah. That yeah. is important. But it, it's a good scary, you know, it's mm-hmm. the kind of like, okay, this is, this means that it's going in the direction I wanted yeah. it to. It's not, you know, it's not it's, standing still anymore. It's like, it's expansive. It's exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I understand yeah. that you know, people might think about the numbers and that's important. I've, I've gone on and on about numbers this episode, but you know, there does come a point where it, it you kind of need to take that risk, you know, and understand that, that I don't, I don't think investing in team is as risky as like buying other stuff that I see people buying. <laughs> so yeah. I think, you know, if you can invest in it, in a team member who can complete tasks for you, who can help you grow your business, that's a great like that's going to bring in a, a great return on that investment. Yeah. Well, Sarah, this has been super helpful. I know that like, again, coming out of the holidays when this airs and like everybody's kind of like, okay, I can take a breath and I need to get things in place. This is a great starting point for helping us to really structure our business so that we aren't feeling burned out and yeah. going forward. So thank you for sharing all this with us today. Um, okay. So tell everybody where they can find you if they want to get in touch with you, learn more about your coaching offers or things that you're doing to help people. Yeah. So you can just follow me on my Instagram account, Sarah Luthy, which is L-U-T-H-Y. Always get asked about how to pronounce and spell that. Um, so I hang out a lot on Instagram um, and my website is just sarahluthy.com. You can read all about um, my one-on-one coaching services and I have a membership um, that I'm running with a coaching, uh, I say a friend, but you know, coaching partner as well, um, which is a lot of fun. So yeah, just come hang out and send me a DM on Instagram. I love connecting with people. I think people think that we don't actually read the DMs, but I love getting messages from people and I love chatting. So yeah. So if you heard her on this episode and you let her go send her a DM, tell her you heard her on the Girl Means Business podcast. And I'll have yeah. all of those links for everybody down in the show notes. They can easily get in touch with you. So thank Amazing. you so much for being here and for sharing your expertise with us. And I wish you all the best of luck and we hope to stay in touch. Thanks. Such a pleasure. Thanks, Kendra. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. And as always, you can find any links or resources mentioned in today's show down in the show notes. And if we're not friends outside of the podcast yet, then what are you waiting for? Come find me on Instagram at Girl Means Business and send me a DM letting me know what you thought of today's episode or any of the past episodes you've listened to. You can also take a screenshot of today's episode and post it to your stories tagging at Girl Means Business and I'll give you a shout out on my page. I love connecting with you and hearing all about your business and can't wait to get to know you more. I hope you have a wonderful week and I will meet you back here next week, same time, same place.